The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. Thanks very much, Lucy, for the last couple of hours. Steffi Callister will be taking you home tomorrow evening. Lucy's back next Monday. Welcome to The Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome to show number 259 with the latest tech news and then we'll look at more of the new product shown at the 2023 IFA Berlin Consumer Tech Show. First though, it's time to take a look at this week's technology news and we're going to start very local with the Raspberry Pi Model 5. Um, it's over a decade since they uh, they launched the first one um, back in February, February the 29th if I remember, was it 2012 I think? Ooh, um, somewhere uh, around there. We, we, uh, we first spoke to the Raspberry Pi Foundation on the 13th of July 2012. There we go. That would have been about then. then. Um, uh, and they are now up to the Model 5, uh, the fifth generation of the miniature computer. It's still the same size. It's still about the size of a credit card. Uh, but it has got significantly faster in this latest generation. Yes, we are seeing a massive increase in CPU power. Uh, it's still an ARM Cortex CPU. Uh, yeah, a couple of generations later. Yeah, they've uh, increased the clock speed a little bit. We're now at 2.4 gigahertz. It's still a quad-core so CPU. Um, so the, the Raspberry Pi Model 4, the most recent one, they, they sort of did a, a, a 4 and a bit um, because the original 4, I think, launched at 1.6 gig. Uh, yeah. clock speed and then they sort of went oh, actually if we tweak a few bits around the edge we can get it up to 1.8 um, so if you've got a more recent 4 it's 1.8 um, this one 2.4 but they reckon with all of the other tweaks they've made to it it's actually about twice as fast in yeah. actual day to day use for most types of work yeah because it's got a newer graphics processing subsect on the CPU it's all, all of that's been optimized you probably find the RAM buses faster um, because generally you, you clock your RAM speed to the processor speed so if you can run a faster CPU run the RAM faster which means getting stuff in and out of memory is quicker and to link to that the micro SD card so this is the thing that for most people is what they're actually storing the program storing the operating system on that interface has been made considerably faster and that was that was always a little bit of a bottleneck for the for the pie up till this point um, if you really wanted the the best speed then a lot of people added external disks but that was always a bit more expensive a bit less convenient um, so they've now given a real speed boost to the uh, to the storage speeds. Um, as well as to the uh, to the USB speed. So same number of ports. It's two USB 3s and two USB 2s, um, but they've doubled the amount of data that you can push through all of them together, which is uh, is really useful, for, again, for those more demanding applications. Yes, uh, gigabit Ethernet, which we've already seen in the uh, Raspberry Fire 4, a, a power of Ethernet support, but this time PoE+, plus, uh, yep. which we've seen in the Raspberry Pi 4 just with st standard power of Ethernet, which basically is a, a module you can stick on the top of your Pi and power the Raspberry Pi with power over Ethernet if you have a switch that can send that power down the Ethernet cable into the Raspberry Pi, so you don't need then a power supply. Very useful if you want to put your Raspberry Pi somewhere where you haven't got power, but you have got network. Yes. Uh, for people who like doing uh, sort of displays and image capture and things like that, first of all, the main monitor outputs, that can now drive two 4K displays. Previously, it was one 4K display or a couple of uh, full HD displays. We're now dual 4K P60 HDMI outputs. 
interestingly, they've taken what was the sort of the the DSI, the sort of small scale uh, display uh, display screen interface that typically maybe if you had a sort of four or five inch display on the front of your Pi, um, they took that and they took the camera interface and they turned both of those into ones that can work both ways. So you can now put two of those small displays or two cameras or one of each. So they made that a whole lot more flexible, which is uh, is a really nice touch. I've already seen some projects out there doing uh, stereo vision with a couple Ooh. of cameras getting uh, depth sensing and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so that's uh, that's a really neat little development without adding to you know any of the board space or the connector count or anything like that. They've just made it that bit more flexible. Um, similarly, and for the hardware geeks, this will be... I think probably one of the more exciting bits, they've exposed a PCIe interface. So this is a very high-speed interface. Um, squeezed it in where they got rid of the old composite TV video out. I think no one's used that for about <laughs> 10 years. Um, so they ripped that connector off um, and instead put a PCIe to uh, one-lane interface. And that's going to pave the way for having really fast storage and that sort of thing on board. Um, so I, I can imagine a lot of innovations going to come out of that PCIe interface. Well, there's all sorts of PCI interfaces that you could potentially put on there besides storage. So it is then that whole uh, open interface where graphics stuff is available, audio stuff is available. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what other manufacturers build to put on that. Speaking of building it, um, it's built and manufactured in South Wales by Sony UK. So design in Cambridge, built in Wales. Yep. And and on the design in Cambridge bit, this is also, and I think we've talked about this in the past, this is the first Raspberry Pi where they have a Raspberry Pi silicon. So one of the chips on the board was actually designed from the ground up by the Raspberry Pi Foundation. The board, the board itself always was, but they used an off-the-shelf uh, Broadcom system on a chip uh, as the main sort of processor plus graphics card plus RAM plus everything else, um, all squished into one chip. Uh, and that worked very well. That's the sort of thing you'd typically see in a mobile phone. But it did mean that they were a bit limited on how fast they could develop, how flexible they could make it, how much they could customise it to to their needs. Um, we're now seeing uh, it's still a Broadcom main processor, but a lot of the peripherals, all of those other devices, all the things you might plug into it, now go via a Raspberry Silicon. I think they call it the, the RP0. Um, RP1. Oh, RP1, sorry. Yeah. Um, the, which is then giving them those capabilities of the faster USB, yep. the faster networking, the better graphics, the uh, PCI Express interface. All of that is a core inside their own silicon. And of course, that also means that they can take advantage of a much later, much faster Broadcom chip for the main application processor. Um, so it, it really has allowed them to, to do this step forward. Uh, curiously, this is the first one where they have announced it before it's in the shops. So normally it's a... a nobody knows apart from a, a few under embargo. Um, no one knows that it's happening. And then suddenly there's the, hey, we've launched the Raspberry Pi 4 and you can go and buy one now. Um, so, and sold out in 45 seconds. I exactly. Yes. Um, this time they are doing pre-orders. So they're approved resellers. That is Pi Moroni and the Pi Hut and Farnell in the UK, plus, of course, the Raspberry Pi shop in the Grand Arcade. Um, 
you can pre-order one per person certainly on uh, Pimeroni I noticed the other day um, yeah. and they expect to ship them towards the end of October 23rd I think I saw yes 23rd of October for the 4 gig ones the 8 gig uh, so that's 8 gig of memory on the board will ship a little bit later those are into November December just based on the manufacturing schedules out of Wales Yep, so uh, look forward to uh, to those hitting the shelves very soon. There will also be uh, two gig and one gig models to follow. Um, they they didn't mention them at the time of the launch, but if you look at some of the board images, there are <laughs> there's some PCB indications that that clearly suggest there's going to be two and one gig models coming. Uh, pres- presumably, at a lower price. Um, these ones are uh, you know higher up in the uh, the price range. I think by the time I'd ordered. Uh, the Raspberry Pi plus the the case. The case, interestingly, now has a fan in it, uh, temperature controlled, but will heat, help keep the temperatures down. And the new power supply, which is more powerful, uh, by the time I put all of that together with shipping for the 4 gig model, it came out at about £85. I would expect the uh, the two gig to probably be somewhere around the seventy mark, and the one gig maybe at the sixty mark, uh, sixty pound mark, including those accessories. Um, so those, no doubt, to follow. I suspect they're just getting the initial uh, excitement out of the way, and it's easier to launch one or two models than it is to launch all four at the same time. Yes. Did you order the new rechargeable uh, real time clock battery? I didn't. No, <laughs> that, that is something that people have been asking for for a very long time, and. Pretty much everywhere I use a Raspberry Pi, it's it spends its life on the internet, yeah. at which point it just gets time from the internet. But the idea there is if you don't have an internet connection, it can maintain the time of day even when you turn it off and remove its power. Uh, whereas otherwise, it remembers what time it last knew, and then you turn it on half an hour later and it thinks that it's still quarter to six instead of quarter past six. Um, so that that's no doubt going to be welcome for people who don't use them on networks as is the power button. It finally has a power button. (laughs) This is something people have been complaining about for ages. Um, They've always said, well, just turn the power supply off. Um, It's now got a power button. I I hope you're all happy. Whether you'll be able to do power over Ethernet, I mean, um, wake on LAN is another story. We'll have to wait and see. Don't push your luck, Lawrence. Anyway, (laughs) uh, if uh, you like your new gadgets, you might have acquired an iPhone 15. Uh, which launched uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, But you might have discovered that your iPhone 15 is a little bit warmer than you expect. And Apple have said, this is not because it's a titanium case instead of a stainless steel case. Um, They have now fessed up and said there's a slight bug in iOS 17, which is the operating system, the latest operating system from Apple, uh, which shipped with the iPhone 15, and they're working on it. Right. I... I, I was trying to think what the the relative sort of thermal performance of stainless steel and titanium was, but yes, I think the uh, the, the the bug is a more more likely expectation. As with all of these things, especially when you you set yourself up on a new phone, if you do kind of bring across all your apps and all your data, that first few hours while it's pulling everything across uh, onto your new device, it is working hard. Yeah, that's probably when you're going to notice it most, just as it's downloading everything, installing everything, optimizing everything, probably doing some updates. So just just give it a chance. Yeah, maybe, maybe I know it's shiny, I know it's new. Sign in, let it get going, and then just leave it alone for a couple of hours. It'll be fine when you get back. Yes, and Apple have also said it's nothing to do with USB-C. 
no, of course not. Um, but they have also pointed at a few other third-party apps that have been known to cause overloads on iOS 17. So this could be impacting other models of iPhone that have updated their operating system. One of those apps being what uh, being uh, Instagram. So if you are an Instagram user, make sure you're running the latest version, um, as well as also apparently um, the Uber app. Oh, interesting. And I, I guess these are things that need to to do a lot of either graphics or uh, sort of real-time location. Or that, you know, it's something that's going to stay running a lot rather than something like maybe Spotify, which can just go into the background and, uh, and fall asleep when you're not actually listening to things. Yes. Uh, a few things to do if you've got an iPhone 15. You might want to set your iPhone's battery to not charge higher than 80% which sounds a little bit daft, but basically you go into settings, battery, battery health and charging, set it to 80%, and what that means is that your phone is, when it's charging, not going to go to 100% every time. Supposedly, according to battery science, this means that the battery will last longer. And it's something we're seeing from a lot of phone manufacturers these days. Samsung certainly did this in their last couple of models. Now, interestingly, Android on at least the Pixels and I think the OnePlus devices as well um, took a slightly different approach, which is they try and learn what time your alarm clock goes off in the morning and will then, if you do like, I guess many people will, uh, plug your phone in as you go to bed and leave it on overnight. It'll charge up to 70 or 80% as soon as you plug it in yeah, over the first couple of hours and then it'll sit there at that and then half an hour or something like that before your alarm is due to go off then it'll push it up that last 20 percent so rather than pushing it up to 100 percent and leaving it there for six seven hours it'll sit at 80 percent most of the time and then just give it that final little boost right at the end um and then it's not sat at 100 percent for uh, for too long so that way to to me that seems like a nice trade-off of mm. giving your battery a little bit more of a rest but at the same time still meaning you get 100% of the uh, available battery life and hopefully therefore getting you through the day. Yeah, of course, if you've got a fully charged battery, that USB-C port can now feed power out as well as in. So you can use your iPhone to charge your AirPods or Uh, your Apple Watch. Uh, Basically anything you can plug in with a USB-C cable. Nice. You do have to watch out a little bit for this sort of thing because some devices can, in fact, like the iPhone, can be charged and can charge. And it's not always very well defined which one's going to do the charging. So if you plug two (laughs) iPhones together, it's basically random chance as to which one's going to charge which one. Um, oh, that so, sounds uh, like a new pub game. Yes, yeah, exactly. One of you am, loses am, am and I runs going out to with ju- no battery. Yeah. <laughs> who's going to be? Who's going to be uh, sending? Who's going to be receiving electrons? Uh, yeah. A couple of other things that are new, of course, is the new dynamic island. So they have put a cutout where the camera modules and all those uh, sensors this is the are on the front for the notch. Yep. However, it changes size. Yes. So what they do is it dynamically adjusts and makes a bigger black square, a bigger black oval type blob, dynamic island, around the camera module to show notifications. So that's where it will show alerts, uh, charging status, next map direction when you're navigating, all those little navigation, uh, all those little notification things will appear in that space. Apple have said, live with it this is how we've designed it it's, it's basically it's making a feature of the you know you're going to end up with a bit of your display that you can't put anything because it's got a camera you might as well put something useful there 
It is. And there is now also a new button on the iPhone 15, which you, uh, which takes the place of the ring silent switch, that hardware switch that a lot of people really loved. But you can at least set this one to do a whole lot of different things. So it's under the settings action button and a whole lot of options available there, including making your phone go to silent if you really still want it to. Um, one thing that's interesting, and we, we looked at the Pro and the Pro Max uh, shooting 4K video at 60 frames a second. Mm, yes. You can plug an external SSD hard drive into the phone and shoot directly to hard drive. And I, I think this is something we are seeing now, not just with the iPhone, but with a lot of other phones, is now that we've moved to USB-C and now a lot of laptops are moving to USB-C, we get into that, oh, I can plug that thing that I'd normally plug into my laptop into my phone. Yep. And it just works. And Keyboards. It, it, yeah, keyboards, yeah. mice. I don't know about on the iPhone, but certainly you can plug a, a USB mouse into a uh, an Android phone, and you can you get a little mouse pointer. You yep. click around with it; it's amazing. Um, or a headset. So if you don't have wireless, um, your AirPods or something like that, you can plug a lot of USB headsets that you'd normally use with maybe your work computer into your phone. Use those for a, a Zoom call on the run, um, or maybe a network adapter. So if you're somewhere where You've got rubbish Wi-Fi, maybe no 4G or 5G, and you want to do a big download, maybe download your uh, your movies ready for a flight, and you've got access to a wired network connection, you can plug a USB-C Ethernet adapter in. Plug a Test network cable have claimed that they've got 320 megabits uh, connectivity down on an, a, a USB-C connected wired network connection. So basically about 100 meg faster than Wi-Fi. Yeah, so probably not going to be your everyday use case, but interesting that uh, the, that it does work and you don't have to do anything special to uh, to make it work. So, yeah, yes. very uh, very good. Uh, moving away, uh, well, what, one last thing on the iPhone 17, and it's an iOS 17 change, and this is if you change your passcode, but you forget what your new one is. Um, Apple yes. Have, have come up with a new idea, and I'm not sure I like the idea or not. But basically, that the old passcode is not forgotten straight away. Yeah, you get three days uh, to be able to still use it. And I, I'm kind of with you here, because on the one hand, I bet you that the time that most people forget their passcodes is just after they've changed them. Mm -hmm. Great. This will hopefully let them recover it. On the other hand, the time that most people change their passcodes is because somebody else knows the old one. So they have at least thought about that. And where you can change your passcode, there is a expire the previous passcode right away. Good. So you can at least do that. So, yeah, I think they, they've thought and they've, they've made it fairly balanced. I do like the idea, though, that for the people who are just changing their password out of good password hygiene, um, <laughs> the the whoops I cannot remember for the life of me yeah. what I set the new one to but I've still got the muscle memory from the old one yes so what you do is you then just put your password in incorrectly uh, the number of times it's set to but and it will then say oh do you want to use your previous code and it will let mm. you do that for three days it will then immediately want you to set a new po a new passcode again yes so they do I, force I think you the, that process the the challenge is less so with the the passcode on the phone because I I guess it's less of a risk of, oh, I've clicked this dodgy link in an email and now someone knows my password that you maybe use to log into to, you know, Google or your mm. Outlook or something like that uh, compared to your passcode on a phone. 
but do watch out that you you have this sort of tie together of your Apple ID and your iPhone passcode, and those can sometimes be used to to reset each <laughs> yes. other. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit murky. I'm I'm sure they're still still tweaking the details on that. Um, nice nice idea. Just be careful about uh, the situations where you're changing a passcode. I think. Yes. Uh, moving over to the world of new CPUs. Uh, we spoke about Raspberry Pi's new CPUs. Uh, there's been a leak of Intel's 14th generation i5 uh, CPUs. So, uh, so a mid-range need, CPU. Yep, normally found in either a laptop or a desktop PCs. Yes, desktop PCs are still a thing. Not that we see yep. too many of them around nowadays. Um, and the i5 is, as you say, is is the the standard one. It's not the cheap one. It's not the uh, not the high performance one. But uh, yeah, interesting that some benchmarks that have leaked are showing that on single threaded uh, applications, single core applications, about six percent faster than its predecessor, the thirteenth generation, and about eleven percent quicker in multi core operations. So interesting that yeah, Intel is still managing to. Uh, Increase performance a, yeah. a reasonable amount on a, on a new generation CPU. Moore's law is the still alive. Thing, it's the sort of thing where you're not going to go out and and sell your uh, your last generation uh, processor and instantly upgrade to it, and it's going to change your life. Um, but if you are getting to that kind of point where maybe you've had a computer for a few years, it's starting to get a little bit long in the tooth. Maybe it doesn't run Windows 11 nowadays. Um, yeah, is it's a nice to have. I I would say if you're looking at uh, looking at a couple of different laptops, one of which comes with the newer generation, one of which comes with the older, they're similar price. Probably worth going for the newer one. If there's a big difference, you're hundreds of pounds in it. You know what? The last generation is probably going to be just fine as well. Yes, yes. Uh, mobile phone leaks and launches. Samsung have sort of leaked officially the Galaxy S23. FE, which is a budget version of their flagship phones. Uh, no details exactly on the price yet, but should be out um, this week. Interesting. Still uh, a reasonable size display. 6.4 inch seems to be the, uh, uh, the, the best bet and running at 120 hertz. So nice, uh, smooth video. Altogether, not a slouch. Um, yeah, it, it still, uh, still looks like a pretty decent phone. Um, but maybe not quite up there in terms of price with the uh, the the S series. Yes. Um, speaking of other new phones launching this week, and of course, uh, Samsung may well have timed that one to upset mm, their yes. big partner, that is Google, who are uh, launching their Pixel Eight Eight Pro and Pixel Watch Two this week. Of course, uh, not too long since they launched the Pixel Seven A, which was again that budget end uh, of the previous generation. I think only a month or two back they uh, yep. they launched the 7A. Uh, these ones coming in at the slightly higher end of the market. Uh, whether we'll see some other things, because they are teasing and saying there'll be a few more things besides the Pixels and the Watch 2. So we will be uh, obviously tuning in to that ourselves and bring you the details of that at the next Gadget Guide. Yep, uh, onto social media and TikTok, interestingly, are mooting the idea of an ad-free subscription plan. This seems to be the way that the uh, the industry is moving. We've, of course, got X and uh, the, the company formerly known as Twitter. Um, they now offer their, uh, their ad-free version. Um, TikTok 
contemplating the same thing. I could this be the end of of advertising supported social networks? I, I'd I'd be okay with that. I think. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I I pay a subscription to a social well, it's a social media platform. It does more than just social media to remove adverts, and that's YouTube. Yeah. Um, and I tell you what, when you suddenly have to use YouTube on someone else's machine and they aren't a subscriber, you go, wow, there's a lot of adverts, aren't there? Um, so, yes, I think we are going to see that shift more and more. Whether it's going to totally kill advertising, I don't know. Um, whether there might end up being tiers of, you know, with ads light, with ads max, <laughs> might be yeah, a so thing. Here's the slider, select how many adverts you'd like. <laughs> yes, your, your payment is based on how many adverts you'll tolerate per hour. Yeah. Um, could could be an interesting that's, model. That's fine. I, I'm I'm absolutely up for that. Uh, and it's sort of rumoured to be coming in around about the uh, the four pound a month for the ad free version of TikTok. That seems about right. Yeah. If yes. if you're someone and I I don't use TikTok myself, but if you're someone who spends a decent chunk of time on TikTok, that's a you know a cup of coffee a month or a pint of beer a month. That and feels probably- like a reasonable amount to save you a whole lot of adverts and probably hours a day in saved time yeah so yeah good good uh good news i think on that one still keeping the free plan as well if you'd uh, rather see the ads and uh, and not have to to pay for the subscription uh finally oh, then in, last in one the, which i think we'll have to do a whole show on uh definitely around the technology octopus energy uh the disruptor energy provider have launched a new service called the cozy six heat pump yep They've been uh, rolling out heat pumps themselves for a while. These are the first ones that they have designed and built in-house. Um, it's designed for sort of small to medium-sized houses. They reckon a, a standard three-bedroom house. Uh, this should do nicely. Uh, looking to launch larger models in the future. Um, but they reckon that coupled with the uh, the government's increased uh, boiler replacement grant, um, it might be as low as 500 to to £1,000. Um, it might be as low as free, depending yeah. on your situation and circumstances. Age of house plays a role, as well as type of heating system you've got already. Yep. So, um, interesting, if you are thinking about a boiler replacement, um, search for Octopus Cozy 6. Yes, I think definitely a show on uh, heat pumps coming up in the next uh, few episodes, especially as the weather gets cooler. Uh, meanwhile... Right now, we're going to be talking about all the latest from Aoife Berlin. Cambridge 105 Radio. Tuesday nights on Cambridge 105 Radio. Tony Dello moves Cambridge to the beat of Northern Soul. I'm going to say hi to local listener Andy Fife Miller. Good evening, Andy. Not working on your Lambretta tonight, anyway. All the things I'm doing on Lambrettas and just taking my, my mind back to about the 60s and 70s when I used to have Vespers and Lambrettas. Those cables or something, you know, upkeep of some description needed doing. Good to hear from you, Andy. Northern Soul with Tony Della. Tuesday nights at 7 on Cambridge 105 Radio. In need of legal advice you can trust, Woodfine Solicitors offers a range of expert and award-winning legal services, whatever your problem. If you've been charged with a road traffic offence but need your driving licence for your livelihood, Woodfines can help you deal with the police and courts. Contact our team of traffic lawyers for high-quality advice. Find out more about what we offer at woodfines.co.uk. Woodfines. Cutting through the red tape. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio. 
with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. And we're talking now about some more of the discoveries from IFA. Uh, held in Berlin earlier in September. And, well, we're heading on to white goods now because there's, there's some interesting stuff in maybe what you might not think about as an area that has a whole load of uh, sort of new development going on. But the, <laughs> the manufacturers are still out there. Yes, and certainly the space in your kitchen for those appliances has got a, a an interesting trend these days for energy efficiency and it's what mm. all of the manufacturers are going for is less power consumption interestingly also less water consumption they are all recognizing uh, that water is a resource that needs to be managed as much as electricity they've obviously uh, been listening to our friends over at uh, cambridge water and uh, not wasting the <laughs> not wasting that drinking water absolutely um, but yeah um, and I, so, I'm, I'm happy to see this sort of development compared to a few years back where it was all about the smart integrated yeah pings you on your mobile phone when you're washing and say, okay maybe some of that's a little bit useful but i, I think my, my mine does that is useful but, but it is also, also more, energy efficient yeah exactly <laughs> and it, it, pushing those those smart stuff more towards the efficiency yeah cost savings energy savings seems like a much better use of everyone's time Yes, so Hoover, of course, a UK household name, uh, yeah, showed not off just their, vacuum cleaners. Yeah, showed off their uh, H Wash series, H Wash seven hundred, which is a a thirty percent. So it's a dash thirty percent energy class. There's new classes for energy ratings. Yeah, well, they, they sort of got they they sort of got to the point where there were a few too many pluses after the A's, uh, and so they've <laughs> they've now just sort of rejected it all a little bit. So, what was an A is now a D or something along those lines for a yes. lot of products. So this is all the, that whole new uh, energy labelling directive, um, and an A thirty is yeah up there with the A plus pluses. Yep. Uh, to get to an A++, you've got to be in the 20%. Uh, very good. Um, I, so pre-2010 washing machines, we're talking about things that, um, yeah, might have been at A, and yeah, that, that whole A bracket got spread out a bit further. Yeah, uh, as devices have got better, which is uh, which is excellent. Um, and the, the washing machine almost has a bit of a, a sort of retro look going to it. It's... Uh, <laughs> um, it's the normal size of a washing machine, but apparently it's got one of the uh, the largest drum sizes. So you can even get your sort of duvets and cushions and, and things like that in there. But it it does all look a little bit a little bit sort of back to the future kind of thing. It's the the seven segment display for how long the the time remaining is, and you know not so much of the touch screen and and more of the the sort of the big knob that selects between the two programs that you use on a washing machine. Um, yeah, nice, nice and simple, and yet just gets on and does the job, and it does it very effectively. And I, I think that's that's a good thing. <laughs> it's nice to nice to yes. see that. Yes, a um, a sister appliance to go with it, the H Dry Seven Hundred Dryer, which gets an A plus plus rating. Presumably, um, this is one of the heat pump tumble dryers. I'm it is assuming a heat pump tumble dryer. Yes. Yep. Um, uh, th those are an, an interesting thing in the, their own right because, of course, they, they use massively less electricity, but they do take quite a bit longer. Yep. It means it's more delicate on your clothes, but you know, it means that you might be looking at a three or four hour drying time rather than the kind of one hour that you might have had with a high temperature tumble dryer. 
And because we're not afraid to drop brand names, I do have a heat pump dryer. It's a John Lewis. Um, and yes, set of towels in it will now take three hours to dry. Yep. Which, you know, in a previous tumble dryer took a lot less time, but chewed through a lot more electricity. And that longer cycle with a lot less power overall uses elect- less mm. electricity. Uh, useful things like delayed start, so you can schedule it to run when your electricity might be cheaper if you have a uh, an electricity provider that offers cheaper rates at night, for example. Um, but also I've noticed the towel shed less. Uh, you know, having to clean that, where it's that just lint. A, yeah. Just filter out and you sort of pull out all the lint after a load of towels and you go that's enough to make a sock and, and presumably that means that your towels are going to last oh, longer that much, because it's, yes. it's staying in the towel yes yep. so you also, know, there, the, is, there uh, is that uh, new range of dishwashers again from Hoover the H Dish 700 uh, they're really going for the imaginative uh, naming here <laughs> um, <laughs> again squeezing a larger kind of usable capacity into the same size physical uh, kind of kitchen unit um but again, drying uh, drying performance here. Yeah, the the drying cycle so on the dishwasher is one of the... a drying fan, which we've never yeah. seen in the dishwasher before. It's always just and, been and why put not? lots of heat in and hope exactly. for the steam to do the thing and use end up with water spots and all those sort and, of things. And it's, especially in Cambridge, it feels daft because the the drying part of the dishwasher cycle is probably one of the the most energy intensive parts of it, and yet we seem to historically just go for the well heat it all up but keep all of the wetness inside i surely <laughs> surely blowing some of that moist air out or condensing it in a heat pump or something surely that could be um done more efficiently we shall see but yes the dry boost apparently fan. they've managed things but they weren't yeah. the only manufacturer of course showing off white goods samsung was showing off their new bespoke ai washer and dryer combo with digital inverter heat pump. yeah we've got that, oh uh, someone heat had pump. to put the ai in there yes. didn't um the interesting thing is it's a 25 kilo wash and a 13 kilo that's dry and so it, you, it you does do need to think than about the normal if, unit you do need to think about if you're doing a dry you want to put less washing in if you wanted to do both back to back otherwise you've got to take stuff out uh but it is quite a big washing machine i don't know if that is just on a pedestal base or if it is actually taller uh I, I, my I mean, washing you, machine, I think, you, does seven or eight mm. kilos, and that was big when I got it ten years ago. Twenty-five. Yeah. I don't think I own twenty-five kilograms of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, your duvet and all your clothes. Yeah, definitely in one shot. <laughs> yeah, but um, interesting that having the combined functions, including the heat pump. Yes. Yeah. Before you've always been able to get sort of combined washer dryers squeezing the heat pump part of the drying thing into the same unit i think is quite interesting um certainly for folks who don't maybe have quite so much kind of floor space uh to to dedicate to their laundry yes um all of the manufacturers talking about uh better clothes care Mm. and basically things that don't destroy your clothes as quickly because washing and drying is an a, a a destructive process as you're taking out the dirt you are also uh shedding fibers out of your clothes and the material some of which we can talk about microfibers and microplastics and filters that have been released to try to combat getting those microplastics into our water systems and there are now filters you can put in line on that washing machine drain circuit to catch those uh, microfibers in a, a special filter that you can then take out and dispose of responsibly rather than them going into the water systems. Um, but, uh, you know, 
all the manufacturers do say one thing please use our smart slash eco slash um, machine managed mode rather than just picking every time a 40 or 30 degree wash because they have yes. done a lot of work in the programming of the machine on those modes to use less water use less electricity and to treat your clothes more carefully yeah, uh, the the energy saving things continue across the the, the range of white goods. Uh, AEG, uh, yes, they launched washers and dryers and things like that, but also their ovens. Um, again, the the headline figure is is energy efficiency. Um, interestingly, a lot of their their new ovens come with steaming capabilities. Um, <laughs> one of their videos on their their website um, for the, the Steam Pro range. Um, it's bizarre. There's a bag of vegetables in what looks like a sort of vacuum sealed plastic bag. Yeah, it uh, is. It's a sous vide. And bag. it's in the oven. <laughs> and it's it's just in the oven. Um yep. which you'd never think about normally or I I wouldn't have done. But of course this is this is how restaurants have been doing things for uh for years. And that's now coming to uh to the, the home kitchen and you know what? It's it's producing better food, it's using less energy, it's hopefully less leading to less food waste and it's what all the manufacturers are, uh, are concentrating on so um yeah do uh, do look out for those yes uh, they also showed off their new fridge freezers which are more energy efficient being the one thing in your house that's always on Mm, yes. And you think you cannot turn that off because, <laughs> yeah, uh, the obvious thing of when you turn off your fridge is everything gets warm and goes off. Um, so it is the, the one thing that, you know, when that fridge fails, think about buying the most energy efficient one because that... Because it will hopefully last will you for the next for 20 years. And, yeah. and even if it costs a few hundred pounds more than what you might have considered, the more energy efficient one will probably pay for itself in less than its lifetime so yeah worth thinking about um but uh, also lots of new interesting technology coming out in the fridge freezer space to as you said combat food waste i i guess the the challenge with all of this sort of stuff is that the people who maybe could could really use those um energy savings the most are probably the ones who'd struggle to make those those big upfront investments yeah. and some of these machines are not cheap um you know you can get a fridge freezer a cheap one for maybe three or four hundred pounds looking at some of the aeg ones they're more like 1800 pounds yet mm. you will make it back over 20 years probably but gosh that is that's a lot of money to uh to fork out up front um so I'm, I'm not sure how we fix that problem but it certainly feels like uh, shop around and hopefully the high street retailers will offer you zero percent finance yeah very much so um coming up in a sec we're going to talk about aircon i know we're heading into autumn aircon heats as well we are going to stay cool uh, for just a few more minutes or maybe warm uh, we're, with a quick look at some new air conditioning products. Uh, these were launched at uh, IFA Berlin a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we'll start off with uh, Midia. Um, they're a portable split air conditioning. This is this is a category of things that, that appeared a few years ago and then disappeared from the UK market. I'm really hoping that they <laughs> make a comeback. So, yes, um, of course, the problem with air conditioning units, if you buy a portable unit, is you've got to get the heat out of the room somehow, which involves ducting a large pipe out a window normally. Yeah, and, and that that is yeah. horribly inefficient. Yes, yes. You get a cool breeze in front of the air conditioner, a hot spot on the back, that pipe is boiling hot, 
and then you've got to stop the hot air coming back in through the window that you just push it out of. And that's so, the thing. Is it, normally, for most of our windows designs, we don't have nice, convenient round holes in our windows. No. That means you've got the window quite a wet bit open, and especially if it's a, a particularly hot day, all the hot air, even if you can get the hose out the window, it's sucking other air in to replace it. That might be nearly as hot. So conventional air conditioners that are installed are split units. So there's the inside unit with fans and a coil that's got supercooled fluid running through it normally or gas. And then an outside unit which gets rid of all the hot air out of that uh, or the heat out of that fluid, pumps it between the inside unit and the outside unit. So it's a split unit, one outside getting rid of the heat, the one inside doing the cooling. Yeah. That's difficult to do portable. Yes, and and flexible hoses are a thing and they are getting better. Um, The the refrigerant's typically under some amount of pressure. Also, you don't want to leak it because it's bad for the environment if it leaks. Um, But Midia seem to have uh, come up with a solution here. Um, Interestingly, it's not quite as good as a, a properly installed unit because the compressor is still on the inside unit. That means that there'll be a little bit more noise. Uh, in the room. Perhaps that's uh, not ideal if you're looking at this for a bedroom, but probably a lot less noise than if you have one of the all-in-one units with the the hose going out of the window, because you are at least, first of all, you don't have to push all of the air out that hose. Um, You only have to circulate it around the cooling thing. And secondly, that bit happens outdoors. It seems like a great option, particularly if you're in a rental property, something like that, where you can't install things, you can't drill through the walls. Um, but nonetheless, you want uh, you, you want a little bit of air conditioning. And so. they are talking A plus um, rating, energy rating on the the unit that they are are launching at the moment. So hopefully, it will make it to the UK market because that's a lot better than most of the standalone portable ones, which sort of drop into the B's and C's on the energy rating. We'll have to do a, a program talking about the seasonal energy efficiency ratings, which is how you measure air conditioning systems efficiency and energy usage Uh, there we go that's uh, a bit of a roundup of all the goings on at uh, IFA Berlin lots of cool technology to uh, to look at there plenty more if uh, we've not had time to uh, uh, to go through this week or indeed the last episode of the Gadget Guide available on the Cambridge 105 radio website if uh, if you missed that one Uh, meanwhile we'll be back in a couple of weeks time with another episode Uh, of the Gadget Guide, taking a look at matter. What is it? What does it promise? Um, Coming up, meanwhile, after the news at seven, Les Ray, strummers and dreamers. Good evening. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more.